Welcome to your digital reputation. Here's your host, Roger Christie. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My name's Roger Christie, founder of digital reputation advisory firm, Propel. And today we're asking a vital question, and one particularly relevant for leaders and those in the people and culture space. And that is, does your corporate culture survive the digital stress test? In one of our earlier episodes on your digital reputation, we spoke with leading alignment expert Zora Artis about this idea of glass box brands and how social media has put corporate culture on display for the whole world to see. Conversations and issues that may previously have been hidden behind closed doors are now accessible in real time, globally, via the public social web. And we're not just talking brands here. This very much affects individual leaders too. Just have a look at any glass door rating to see leaders' ratings, verbatim feedback, warts and all, everything. It's all there. It sounds a bit frightening, right? But that's the thing. It does not have to be. In fact, it can and should be seen as an enormous opportunity. Because when leaders get corporate culture right, these same digital platforms like social media act like rocket fuel to comments and initiatives that amplify good corporate culture. And employees who are empowered can back their leaders and sing their praises from the digital rooftops. But you do need to get it right to survive that stress test. Now, my guest today knows an awful lot about company culture, leadership, and how to align values, behaviors, and reputation across an organization to do exactly that, to get it right. He's also seen firsthand just how much pressure the widespread digital adoption we've seen through COVID has placed on leaders, particularly those whose words don't translate into actions. He's the CEO and founder of Empathic Consulting, and in my opinion, He's one of those people who just seems to see things that others don't, but maybe that's because he has a degree in mathematics, a background in corporate strategy, and an insatiable appetite for storytelling, while also focusing on empathic leadership for a living. It's a very rare blend, and thank you for sharing your wonderfully diverse experience and wisdom with us on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Daniel Murray. Hi, Roger. How are you going, mate? Good to see you. No, really good. Thank you. And thank you for spending time with us today. I'm sure listeners are going to get a lot out of this, not just for the topic itself, but also, as I say, that really rare mix of of experience and, and the perspective that you have is incredibly important and will shed new light on this topic that I know many are thinking about right now. So we are, if we can go straight there, we're in the thick of this idea of the great resignation, or as I know you refer to it, and, and probably far more optimistically, the great reconnection. We're in the thick of it. Unemployment levels are at their lowest in decades. The stakes are incredibly high for leaders whose corporate culture fails to resonate with staff and candidates. And given the picture I've just painted, what can leaders do to survive the digital stress test and ideally even thrive online? Yeah, it's it's a really tough time. The unemployment is um, absolutely uh, very, very low. There's a skill shortage and, and lots of organisations are grappling with this idea of how do we find good people? How do we retain them? A lot of people are leaving. And uh, the, the great resignation, I think, is is a byproduct of people starting to see their jobs just as tasks. And when we just see them as tasks that we can do from anywhere, well, the question then comes, why should I do it with you? Why should I do it for you? You're a leader. Why should I, why should I choose you out of anyone else? And so there's this sort of perfect storm going on of 
organizations making it easy for people to go and do these tasks anywhere, but not really realizing that that leaves the people missing something. It leaves their people feeling like there's something not there. And, and this is that sense of belonging, that sense of uh, I'm part of something bigger, I'm part of something more. And, and the reason I like to call it the great reconnection or uh, that's what we're aiming for, this great reconnection is we have been disconnected through COVID. We have been disconnected through this this space and we will continue to stay disconnected if we continue to see work as just a set of tasks that you go off and do anywhere you want. So what I think leaders need to be thinking about in this space is how do I utilize the tools that I've got to create a sense of purpose? And and this can be through, um, you know, really simple things like having more conversations with their people, sharing more intimate information about themselves and, and about what's going on and what drives them with others, because people want to work with those that they really like, they admire, they trust, they respect. Uh, these are all uh, subjective terms that we sort of throw around and they make sense, but they're hard to really pin down. And, and you know, where in the past a leader could walk up to someone's desk and say, hey, how are you going? I'm going to go and grab a coffee. Do you want me to get you something? What's happening with the kids, et cetera, et cetera, and build that sort of sense of understanding and relationship. A lot of that's vanished. And instead, we've come to this part where we dial into a Zoom call, we have a set of agenda items, we punch ourselves through, and then we exit. And all of that sort of messy sort of cultural uh, nuances is lost. So I think it's, it's, um, it's a really good chance for leaders to start using these additional tools to start to supplement what's, what's been missing for people and what's causing this great resignation. What you're describing there, you know, and that idea of the reconnection, I feel like, and even just the, the little example you gave there around Zoom, I feel like people are perhaps associating digital interface or digital platforms as uh, perhaps a source of some of the disconnect we're feeling in this world as you were describing. So as you say, leaders using the tools that they have at their disposal to perhaps amplify purpose, if I can frame it that way, how do we use digital to reconnect how how are leaders using digital to reconnect when as you say there is kind of this resistance to doing life and doing work through that very rigid agenda on zoom um look it's there's lots of different ways and i think um what we're finding is that different leaders are have to having to use different types of tactics and techniques here so some are using um, uh, really simple things like we just have a different type of Zoom conversation or we start a, uh, you know, a certain page on a, on a Facebook group or something where we can connect and have different conversations. Um, others are doing really simple things like uh, let's do a video update each day. So I've seen a team who everyone gets their mobile phone. They do a quick video update. This is what's going on for me today. They send it around to the entire team and everyone in the team sort of has this WhatsApp group where they can go and check in with each other. So we need to remember that while the the tools allow us to uh, work at, at afar, it doesn't do the job of creating the actual relationships. Um, and I, I'd hazard to guess, uh, Roger, if you're like me, if you looked at your Facebook friend list, they're not your friends. They're not all your friends. You, you probably have a lot of people on there who, um, you know, you know and they're acquaintances, but they're not your friends. And we need to sort of remember there's this differentiation in types of relationship we have. 
we can only have a certain number that we're really close to and we really understand. And for leaders, it's about using every technique and every opportunity they can to create that that sense of belonging uh, within those work groups. It's um, you know, it, it's different social media platforms that uh, allow us to do some of those things, but it's also easy for us to hide behind them and you know throw tasks back and forward at each other. So we need to put the humanity back into our interactions in those different platforms. And you know, this, this is where what I've seen great leaders do is being able to share some of those um, you know, more vulnerable aspects of, of themselves to create that uh, ability for people to, to build trust in them. Yeah, I, I totally see that um, playing out quite practically where there is only so much you can do, as you're saying, in terms of the, the personal and the intimate relationships that you manage and, and sometimes social media coming across as that more manufactured environment, that that not authentic or they're not real relationships. And I suppose that that's at odds then with this tension that that leaders are facing right now and talking about that that corporate culture stress test that the digital um, the, the challenge that digital is laying down for leaders and organizations how can you plug into that and use the good bits to make sure that you are projecting that intimacy at scale and, and you are kind of building those or giving people insight and access, as you're saying, to those more vulnerable moments to, um, as best possible, connect with people when you are physically separated. So it's, it is a real challenge. It, it flies in the face of a lot of leaders' comfort levels, uh, but we are living in an age of radical transparency. And, and maybe that's maybe that's a good place to start, Daniel, is to, to go and look at you know, this access that we have now to digital platforms and social media, how has that changed the game for organizations? I know you're someone who, you know, you're, you're very knowledgeable on these trends and patterns of behaviors and, and the way organizations have done things over time. What has changed? How, how have these digital platforms changed, I suppose, the reputation game for organizations and leaders? Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously changed it um dramatically and in a very short period of time. I don't think we sort of realise it. Um, not that long ago, as long as you complied with the law, you sort of did whatever you wanted and you could pretty much get away with things. I mean, that wasn't that long ago in human history that that's where organisations operated. Really quickly, we're now at a point where um, it's not even if your customers complain. You know, that we went through that period that if your customers complain, they'd write an email or, or even before that, they'd write a letter to the editor in the local newspaper and then, you know, you get this small murmur. Now, a person who isn't your customer, who's got um, enough connections through something like Twitter, can start to share huge amounts of information about you and start to change perceptions of millions of people without uh, you even knowing this happening. Um, and that's probably part of the problem. We, we, don't, we aren't monitoring those sorts of interactions and, and understanding how they work. And, you know, this, is, this idea of feedback is really important and um, it's biologically important, right? So, you know, Ranjan, when you, when you put your hand on a hot stove, for example, you get a, a signal from your hand to your brain that is pain and that, and that is your body giving your brain feedback to say the way we're interacting with the outside world is doing us damage, stop it. Do something different, change your behaviour. Now, when an organisation is interacting with the outside world, it's got to look for that feedback. 
it's got to be acknowledging that feedback is coming in and it has to use that feedback to assess that behavior that it's, uh, it's going to and, and maybe monitor or change what they're doing. But what a lot of organizations are doing is saying, well, social media is the way that we push out. We send out messages and we tell the world what's going on but they don't use it for this vital biologically driven idea of feedback in to tell us what we're doing right or wrong. And too many of them are sort of stuck in this old world of, well, we comply with the law, it should be fine. Uh, we need to really, um, and I think this is what great organisations do, they, they embrace that idea of feedback because there are always uh, things that we are doing in this complex world that are impacting people in ways that we, we can't really predict that well. And we should be welcoming that that feedback uh, coming back in. And I think that's where uh, really good leaders are, are going out. They're reaching out. They're looking for those opportunities. They're seeking that that understanding to to really make sure that they have a consistent picture that the world does uh, of who they are and what they stand for. Um, you know, feedback's one of those things that, uh, as smart as we think we are, we always can miss things and get things wrong. And um, I always remember this story, um, the executive coach, a genius of an executive coach, Marshall Goldsmith tells of, he, he ran a 360 degree feedback in his office. And it came out saying that, I think he gave, he gives something like uh, destructive comments. He has this habit of making destructive comments, came back in his feedback. And he thought, what are you talking about? I, I never do that. That's not, that's not me at all. So he, he made a, um, a uh, bet with his team. He said, if you can pull me up on making a destructive comment, I'll give you $10. Now, by lunchtime that day, he had cost him $50. He pulled the pin on, on the whole thing because it, it just really highlighted to him that, wow, I just don't even, I'm not aware of the impact I'm having. Now, for Marshall, he created an opportunity for that feedback to come back in. And in many cases, it probably wouldn't, right? So I, I think this is where organizations in their social media, they should be seeking feedback, not just projecting messages. They should be out there seeking feedback and then welcoming it when it comes back in, in any form, and then bringing that into their, their understanding of who they are and what they do. It's such a good story, isn't it, that, that really brings it to life. And, and, and what you're describing there in terms of shifting mindset and perceptions around the true value and function even of social media away from being a broadcast medium and to being more of an intelligence channel or intelligence pathway. I, I remember a conversation I had with a leader and one of our clients who was talking, and this is kind of in a Royal Commission context, and was talking. they were talking about social media as a group and people were saying, look, would it actually be more sensible for us to just try and turn it off? you know, to, to, to shortcut that conversation, um, to kind of stamp out the negativity. And I remember what he said, and it stuck with me. He said, why would we turn off the one environment or the one channel where people tell us what they really think about us? And I just think that's such a mature perspective around, as you said, any feedback's good feedback. And if you've got your head in the sand around it, you can't improve, you can't change. And maybe this is a bit too too much of a stretch i suppose but you, you could make a case for the fact that good leadership today good leaders even they seek out feedback and so therefore they should be seeking out social media and the valuable role it could play or at least working with their support teams because we appreciate you know they've only got finite time working with their support teams and specialists 
within the organisation or externally to try and get access to that information because it is pure gold, as you're saying. And I think most importantly, you can't put your head in the sand on it because even if you switch off to it, the conversations still carry on. We cannot make people stop talking. I think that's right. And and I think there's – look, it can become challenging because – the the mistake I think people make is trying to make sure that all of that feedback is good. So uh, I just try and I only uh, want to hear good comments from the public and I only want to – the reality for almost all organisations is there should be people who don't get you, who don't like you, who are not your customers, and they might say things that aren't pleasant and, dis, and you know, there's some way disparaging. It's okay for that to happen it just maybe reconfirms to you that they're not your customers. They're not the people you're trying to serve. And, you know, you can you need to be looking at that feedback coming in and, and yeah, doing some stress testing on it and going, well, actually, is that good or bad? Is that okay? Is that not okay? I think when we try and – and I don't know if you see this, Roger, with social media, if we try and sort of cut off all of those uh, excited sort of uh, angry things that come in and try and – uh, dispel them all or, or push back on them all in a certain way, we sort of we start to make ourselves less attractive to the people who actually really like us. And I think that's where you know, clever social media management is actually about managing who we are as an organisation, what we stand for, who's our tribe, and, and, and sort of being okay with that not being everybody all the time. I really like that. I really like that idea of there's nuance in the feedback, but there's also nuance in who it's coming from. And and as you say, knowing who your audiences are, knowing who your stakeholders are and, and who matters most to you. And I suppose that requires a fair bit of introspection and authenticity on a leadership team's behalf to say, well, no, this is what we stand for and we will stand behind that. And as you say, we will cop criticism from certain parts of um, of the market, but if they're not our people, so to speak, then then that's okay. We don't need to be everything to everyone. And I, I do think, Daniel, that's the other trap that leaders can fall into, that idea of sentiment. Um, I love having conversations with clients around sentiment as a metric uh, because at the end of the day, we can't be all things to all people and and people also expect us whether that's customers or um or candidates even current staff they expect us to stand for certain things and there's a, a real authenticity and a strength and a connection therefore and trust that follows by standing up for those things that that you do believe in rather than trying to stand up for everything so so maybe in this idea of feedback that I'm keen to explore a little bit further, is what you're saying here, it is more about leadership teams understanding what it is that they stand for and then carrying through in a digital environment, almost like that that walking the talk concept um, online rather than this idea that we try and need to or we need to try and please everyone. Is it is it more about remaining true to yourselves? And if so, how do leadership teams do that in the digital environment? Yeah, I think I think you're right, and um, that's uh, that's a fundamental for organisations in general. Is um, too many organisations, in my view, and it might be controversial, um, but if you went and looked at their company values, if you went across Australia's top ASX hundred, looked at their company values, my guess is somewhere around ninety percent of them would be a small set of about five or six words, and they're all identical. Now, if I'm an employee or if I'm a customer and I want to know, do I want to work with you? 
I'm not going to go and look at your values because they're going to be, you know, one or four, four or five of a bunch of uh, 10 words maybe that everyone else has got. Well, that doesn't help me understand. Do I want to work with you? Like it just doesn't tell me anything. And so where do I go to find out if I should work with you? Sometimes I'll go to your website and hopefully I'll see something there or I'm looking for something there. But a lot of the time today, I'll go into social media. I want to know, you know, if I'm going to go and work with the, the people at uh, ABC Bank, well, what are those people like? And, you know, I go into their corporate website and they've got the usual stock photos of someone smiling, you know, adequately diverse group of people standing there in an office with coffee mugs or something. But that doesn't, it does, they're all the same, right? So I, I, will, I will go, who am I going to be working for or with? And what do they believe? What do they care about? And this is where, you know, when you look in places like LinkedIn, uh, those leaders who've got strong presence, they, they share what they believe in. They uh, happily have conversations with people and they are demonstrating their values. Now, they may or may not, as a leadership team, have sat down and said, these are our leadership team values. This is what we stand for. Let's be really clear. I think they should. And I think they should all buy in and, and have a real clarity on those. Now, they might bring those to life slightly differently. You know, if I'm thinking about a, a large financial services organization, uh, I, I want the the um, people in, say, finance to talk differently than the person in marketing or the person in customer service. They, they're going to have a different way that they might bring that to life. But I want to see this golden thread of what they stand for in what they say and, and how they represent things. And, um, you know, I think there's there's some good examples of this. Um, and, and I think those people who are doing it really well, they build a following and people think, I want to go and work for this person. I want to go and be part of their team because I can see what they stand for and what they believe in. Spot on. And I was literally doing analysis of a senior leader the other day and you can literally see the, all the comments, or sorry, all the posts, I suppose, a better way of framing it, all the posts that they had um, put out into market that were much more corporate oriented. You know, let's say there's 100 reactions or 100 different types of engagement with that post and then you look at the one that plugged into the social issues and it's, you know, it's literally a hundred times that and you can just see the impact that it has when you resonate with what people are looking for which as you said right at the start of this conversation is something a higher purpose than just doing tasks and that's that's what sits at the yeah. core of this it's interesting though daniel because i'm wondering you know I'd, I'd love to know it almost be an interesting exercise how much time organizations are spending developing some of those you know, corporate values and and positioning statements that you're talking about and conversely how much time they're spending with their leaders, equipping them and giving them a voice online because at the end of the day, as you say, you've got to know where people are looking and if they're looking online and these conversations aren't being had online, it's buried in your website. It's a waste of time. Yeah, 100%. Um, and and I often get – well, I've, I'm doing this at the moment for a couple of organizations and I often get asked, can you help us redo our values? And what people tend to think is this is going to be a, a brainstorming workshop to come up with five good words and nothing can be more of a waste of time than doing that process in my opinion. What we really focus on is what are the stories that bring to life who, you know, when are those times when you felt, yep, that was us, that moment there, we were just, that was exactly who we are. And 
the reason that the these stories you know excite people is because they felt they were living their purpose in those moments they felt this was the right thing to be doing and so what we start to do is build uh, a playbook if you like that says yes this is the value might have a word or a phrase sometimes it'll have a picture or an image that go with it as well sometimes there'll be a metaphor that helps short shortcut what we're talking about but you can sort of see we're building this cloud of meaning around this concept that's very core to who we are now as you said the challenge is if that just then sits on the back page of a annual report somewhere maybe some analysts will read it you know maybe some board shareholders will read it but that's not going to make the difference and so it's actually embedding that into our organizations where it starts to really make the difference and that's got to start with leaders Leaders have to be very clear on what these messages and what this meaning is and these values are, and then be able to demonstrate them through their actions. So this is where, you know, really powerful leadership is is leaders, people like Peter Harmer, uh, Ross McEwen, who's now at uh, the, the CEO of NAB, does this very well. They are constantly uh, on social media just to, to reinforce what they believe in. So they'll, they'll reinforce these messages through really authentic, simple interactions that they have. And, and I think the, there is a real challenge that I, that I see for a lot of organizations in that they think there is a reputation team somewhere, you know, the corporate comms team who are managing and uh, safeguarding our reputation. Uh, the reality is they don't own your reputation. Um, your reputation is what people think of you. And the more you try and manufacture it and make it less real, then uh, the, the more suspicious, in my view, the general public become of what it actually is. And so it is about, uh, I think, leaders having that courage to say, well, once I do fully understand what these values are and we're taking action that 100% demonstrates it, then I'm absolutely going to shout it from the rooftops. And, you know, this is a great place to do it in, in social media because, yeah, you know, a century ago, you'd walk into your office and tell everyone on the floor. You might write an email to your team or, or put in the newsletter. Now you can share it with a couple of million people uh, on a Tuesday morning. And, uh, you know, that's something that you should be proud of and, and should really shape everyone's opinion of who you are. So who, and maybe I'm keen to know who those best practice examples are. You talk about the Ross McEwens of the world people that others, I always think it's helpful for listeners to know where to look and, and see examples of people getting this right so that they can almost learn and model their behaviors from it. I'm a little bit hesitant to say, are there any kind of warning examples out there too? Uh, I know we learn as much from those examples that we can go, oh gee, I'll avoid that next time if I'm if I'm a smart person as much as the good examples. So one or other or maybe both, have you got any examples that listeners can learn from and, and take with them when you get this right or when you get this wrong? Yeah, as I said, I, I'd, I'd recommend having a look at, at people like Ross McEwen, um, Peter Harmer, who was the former CEO of IAG, and, and his has changed, but you can sort of go back and see what he was putting out there uh, in, in times gone past. And and I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of people you can follow, people like Ray Dalio, who's very open about what he believes in and, and um, uh, what he stands for. I think um, the, the flip side, where people are getting it wrong, it's probably hard harder to name names um, directly, but 
what I have definitely seen is organizations who put out these social media campaigns um, and, you know, an organization um, who might be struggling. I know during um, the, the issues they were having uh, with AMP, for example, they were still putting out these social media posts that were glowing and everything was fine. And yet it was really well known within uh, the networks that that wasn't all fine. Actually, things were pretty, pretty dire and um, there were lots of people leaving the organization. And, you know, the, the problem is when it's a bit like the boy cry wolf, right? The, the more times you keep saying everything's fine, everything's fine when people don't believe you, the less likely it is that they're going to believe it when you actually do something right and you actually do the right thing. And so I, I think it's, um, you know, it's when we're able to be authentic, you know, I, I, I think the reality um, is that we have this fear that if we are too authentic, we'll be harshly judged. And in some ways, that the folly of social media is that that is sometimes true. But again, we need to be able to differentiate and say, hang on, those people who are being cruel, are they really my supporters? Are they really my people? And if they're not, then I'm just going to have to let that go. And you know, what are the people who believe what we believe? What do they think about this? And let me get some honest feedback from them. And maybe that's where, you know, being able to segment and understand those markets is hard, but really important when you're managing that communication. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, this has been so helpful for me. And I think if I, if I can try and piece together your different elements of advice here, one of the things that keeps coming through to me, if it is about demonstrating your values and culture in this digital world that we're living in. You use this phrase around a golden thread and I like that idea about the offline being connected and consistent through to the online, everything uh, following suit. That's what really sits at the core of this authenticity and for me, that's told through stories as you were saying and importantly today, those stories must be told by leaders and others but it's got to be led by those leaders in order to attract the talent that we're after, as we we're saying in this very talent short market that we're facing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and let me give you a really practical tip then, Roger. If you're a leader and you're trying to attract new employees and that's a big challenge for you, then tell, do a short video or write an article or a post about one of your employees who's done an amazing job. Just share with the world, hey, look, I just want to celebrate this person. They did this. They really lived our values in these three ways. And this was the story of the way they did it. And I'm just so proud to share what our people do for our community and our customers. That would be something that – and if as a leader you think, oh, I couldn't possibly do that, you've probably got some work to do somewhere else. Then. But, you know, it's a really easy thing to do to share and to build this sense that you as a leader care about the impact your people have. Spot on. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. There's really valuable insight and practical guidance too. I love that last challenge um, that you're giving to leaders there. It's such a simple one and, and I completely endorse it. The positivity that will come off the back of that. Just watch the comments and watch others recognize fellow colleagues and peers as well and celebrate them. You, you've got to set the example. Look, if people have questions or encouragements from today's show, what's the best way for them to reach you? Well, jump on the socials. Uh, if you go to uh, my LinkedIn page, so search Daniel Murray Empathic Consulting on LinkedIn. Uh, you'll find me there. I'm always on there posting th stuff and sharing and, and loved connecting with new people there. Uh, otherwise, my website, empathicconsulting.com. And uh, always great to connect with new people and, and uh, share what I can. It's always fun. 
Absolutely. Encourage people to check out your LinkedIn newsletter too, which makes it very easy to keep across your thoughts. Daniel Murray, thank you so much for sharing your time and wisdom with us on the Your Digital Reputation podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening. If you've learned something from today's conversation, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with others. For all show notes, head to propelgroup.com.au. Thanks again for listening.